gospel is going out all over the world. These social media platforms have been a boon for the gospel. You know, the apostle Paul said, I'm in chains, but the word of God is not. Never been more so than now. So I want to be together with you in person and I'm, I'm, it's going to happen. For now, let's share these videos. I mean, your friends, people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and what a platform for them to be able to access the gospel. So, but I have a really important message for you today. I want to encourage you. So let's pray. Let's open our hearts and let's get ready for the word of God. Jesus, thank you so much for the power of the word of God. Thank you for what you did for us. I pray that you would grab our hearts today. Draw us to you, Jesus. We need your help to draw near. So we ask that you use this message today to do just that. Draw us nearer to you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. So I want to open today's message with a question for you. And that is this. What are you committed to? What are you committed to? We're all committed to something. Are you committed to your marriage? What about committed to raising your kids? Are you committed to your career? To school? Committed to working out? Committed to serving your church? The truth is you become what you're committed to. For instance, so let's say you have a girlfriend. And then you uh, ask her to marry you. Well, until you put a ring on her finger, you don't become a husband. You have to commit to that. Well, also, she has to say yes. <laughs> if she says yes, you're in. And after that ceremony, you become a husband because you committed to her. Or if you're going to be a, a trained soldier, you got to commit to the military. you got to commit to the training process. Or if you are going to be successful in business, you got to commit to that business. And I mean, you got to eat, drink, and sleep that business for the first couple of years, especially, you know. If you want to succeed uh, as a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or an engineer, you've got to commit to school. If you want to make the varsity team, you've got to give it your all. You've got to commit to working out and beating everyone around you. I mean, but all of these things take commitment, but some of them take radical commitment, like being a Navy SEAL. Not very many of them make it. I think it's like 5%. I don't know. But some things in life take a radical commitment. But what if you only did all of these things halfway? Just kind of made a half commitment to all these examples I just gave you. Like, let's say you're at the altar and <laughs> and the pastor says, you're supposed to say, now, now you say, you know, do you take her to be your uh, lawfully wedded wife. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> How's that going to work out for you, right? Or uh, let's say you're going to do a business, you know, and it's like, oh, I'll come in a couple days a week. You ever seen that show, The Profit or Restaurant Impossible? Uh, some of the people, some of the business that cannot help are owners who just aren't all in. You've got to be all in on these things. Or what about saying you're halfway into raising great kids? I mean, you know, I'm going to sacrifice for my kids, but I'm not going to give up my hobbies or my vacations or some of my dreams for their dreams. I'm not going to give you know, my money for them to go to college or get a car or be in sports. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy or, you know, I'm committed to losing weight and working out, but I mean, I'm not going to give up my favorite junk foods, right? What is my point? 
I believe this is one of the main reasons why there are so many believers unsatisfied in their walk with Christ. I had one guy one time say, Christianity just didn't work for me. And I'm thinking, well, then you didn't work it. Because the reality is, you and I, like last week, we talked about that you have not been called to something, but to someone. We've also been called to commit to someone. And it is a radical commitment. You and I have been called to make a radical commitment to Jesus. You know, there's a lot of believers they will say things like, well, you know, I'm committed to Jesus until it gets uncomfortable. You may not say that out loud, but that's that's what happens. Or I'm committed to Jesus as long as it's not unpopular, that I won't lose friends over it. Or I'm committed to believing the Bible, but only the parts that I'm comfortable with, only the parts that I agree with. That's not a radical commitment. That's a half-hearted commitment. And let's see what Jesus said about those who make half-hearted commitments to him. He says in the book of Luke chapter 14, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, but loves his mother, wife, children, brothers, or sisters, or even life more than me, he cannot be my follower. He didn't say he doesn't want you to be his follower. He followed, he says, you cannot be his follower. Whoever is willing to carry his cross and follow me cannot, whoever's not willing to carry his cross and follow me cannot be my follower. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? He's given some practical examples here. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started building that building, but he couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go out to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send out a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Here, then he goes and says this. So you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone who has ears should listen and understand. He is telling the crowd and you and me to successfully follow him. We have to make a radical commitment. Why? Is he being unreasonable? Is he being mean? No. He's loving us by telling us the truth. Because the reality is, the opposition to being a Christian is going to be fierce. Whether it's your own selfishness, Satan, or circumstances, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. That's why you've got to make the decision that you are going to be radical in your walk with Jesus. So where do we find this ability to make such a radical commitment? by seeing his radical commitment to us first. This series, I'm simply calling Jesus. Because when you and I get caught up in him, and we realize what he did for us, how much he loves us, that's where our devotion comes from. We love him because he first loved us. Look, he came from heaven to this earth. I mean, can you even just imagine that? I mean, we imagine what heaven's like. The purity, 
the beauty, the cleanliness. I mean, the, the streets are made out of are transparent gold. It's full of love. There's no evil. There's no sin. There's no hate. There's no division. It's just pristine and beautiful. And Jesus is king. Everybody and everything, all the creatures in heaven are worshiping him. And he decides to come down to this earth for you and me. And he allows himself to be unmercifully treated by friends, family members, strangers, religious and government leaders. He allows himself to be tortured, spit on, mocked, and crucified for us. He now comes to us daily to help us and encourage us. He prays for us daily. He forgives us daily. And he's preparing a place for us so that one day when he comes back for us, he can take us home to be with him forever. See, that's where we get our radical commitment from. His radical commitment to us. Look at this great scripture that John the Apostle writes in 1 John three sixteen. We know what real love is. I mean, everybody talks about what love is. Everybody wants to be loved, experience love. The Apostle John, the Apostle of love, he was called says this, we know what real love is. Here it is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. Now watch this. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. His commitment to us, now catch this, his commitment to us needs to be matched by our commitment to him and to one another. That's true Christianity. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. But that ability to commit like that comes from first experiencing his commitment to us. Now, what if we saw the this, this same kind of radical commitment? What if we saw the same kind of radical commitment that we see in politics right now for Jesus? <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you say that your commitment to Jesus is as radical as it is for the person that you want to see be the president in the United States in a, in a few months? Huh? Can you say that your passion to persuade people to Jesus is equal to the passion you have in persuading people to your politi uh, political persuasion? Can you say that your, your, um, Passion to lead people to Christ is as strong as your passion against the four people who are wearing masks. I mean, come on. Think about, think about these political activists that are willing literally to give their lives for what they believe in. Can you say that your commitment to Jesus is at that level? If it's not, that's your problem. I'm telling you, I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to encourage you. We get this dedication to Jesus, this kind of dedication, again, from his dedication to us. He was radical in his dedication to us. He still is. Look what this says in the book of Luke. Let's look at Jesus' dedication to us and then his call to our dedication to him. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, 
that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone and said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Now that was his dedication to us. Now he calls us the dedication to him. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now remember, he's talking to the, to the crowds. Whoever wants to be, whoever wants to, mm, I'm sorry. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Look, nobody wants to lose their life. And certainly none of us want Jesus to be ashamed of us when he comes back. So, how, how do you how do you do this thing? What's the radical commitment look like? Well, Jesus used the phrase many times in his teachings, and he used it right here called, take up your cross. I want to take just a few minutes to unwrap that and define what does that mean, take up your cross? Because that's the key to being able to follow Jesus. Well, let me tell you what is not first. I hear it so often when people are sick or have disease, they say, oh, it's just my cross to bear. No, it's not. Oh, these rebellious kids you've given to me. This is my cross. You're my cross to bear. No, they're not. Or an unfair boss. Oh, it's just my cross to bear. Or financial hardships. This is my cross to bear. No, Jesus never called those things a cross. Those are just hardships in life, the trials that come to us all. But Jesus did make very clear what taking up the cross means. There are three things. Ready for this? Here we go. Number one, taking up the cross and following Jesus, one means identifying with him. This could mean the death of your reputation. You see, the cross is a symbol of death. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you have got to get over people liking you and even hating you. Jesus said they hated me before they hated you. So don't take it personally. It's not about you. It's about him. They hate him. They wouldn't say that. But when you are sharing your value system and they don't agree with it, or you don't agree with their value system. And so then they call you a hater and a bigot and a judger and closed-minded and backwards. Really, they're saying that about Jesus. Jesus even said this, if you hate me, you hate the one who sent me, my father. You see, it's about identity. Who do you identify with? Do you know that the term Christian, a Christ follower, was a derogatory term? In the first century, people hated Christians. They were annoyed by them. Uh, they persecuted them unmercifully. And they called them Christians. That means these people are like little Christs, little Jesuses. Today's terminology, it's called a Jesus freak. So you see, that's not a compliment. You can take it as a compliment. I love it. Thank you for calling me a Jesus freak, you know? I mean, I'm radically committed to him. So that's a compliment. But they don't mean it as a compliment. But identifying with Jesus is really going to, uh, you're going to be challenged. There are going to be times when you have to make the decision 
Am I going to identify with Jesus or with my peers, with my friends? I mean, at school, right? The peer pressure. When you're offered drugs, my kids are offered drugs at school all the time. What are they going to do? I mean, are you going to say, well, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that because I'm a Christ follower. I mean, you're going to be mocked, right? And made fun of. What about at work? What about when your boss wants you to lie, right? To make a sale or keep a client. You say, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. They could threaten your job and be made fun of or your peers at work, you know, when they're telling the jokes that, you know, you ought not be laughing at or going places you shouldn't be going. So, and are you willing to say, I, I, or do you not, they, they not know you're a Christian because you don't want to identify with Jesus. We all have a very deep need for inclusion, to belong. God made us that way. We're made for community. Sociologists will tell you that we have not been designed for isolation. We, we adopted my son Samuel, and he was isolated. He was in a crib for the first 15 months of his life, barely even held. I mean, he had serious attachment issues when we first adopted him. Wouldn't even look at you in the eyes, you know? And, uh, they said he would never have a sense of humor, never have empathy. He would never want physical touch. We just threw him in the mosh pit with our other five kids. I'm telling you what, man, he is amazing. He is so full of love and he's funny and likable and personable. And it's just amazing what community does. So we are called to community. But you have to decide whether you are going to be part of the community of heaven on earth or a part of community on earth. People who don't love Jesus. What are you going to do in those times? Who are you going to identify with? The Bible literally says that you are a citizen of heaven on earth and your job is to influence earth with heaven's value system. Just why Jesus said, if salt loses its flavor, it's not good for anything. You got to stay salty. That means you got to let your light shine. You got to hold on to your value system. Jesus's value system. Identify with him. And look, there's a whole nother peer group that you don't see. But Hebrews 12, chapter one, chapter 12, verse one talks about it. It says, there's a host that ran before you, ran the race before you here on earth. It was their turn, a generation before us who ran as believers and they died in Christ. They finished their race and now they're in heaven watching you and I run our race. It says there's a host that has gone before us watching us run our race. You see, let that be the peer pressure. Let that be the company that you're a part of. You've got to make a decision what group you are going to be a part of. Now you're going to run into situations over and over and over again we're going to have to make that decision. But I'm going to tell you the key that will make it so much easier. The key is to make that decision before you are tested. you got to draw that line in the sand now. You see, once you decide, I am following Jesus, I'm going to believe every word that comes out of his mouth. I'm going to believe every word in the Bible. I am his I don't belong to myself anymore. I identify with him. Once you make that decision, all those daily decisions are going to be so much easier. <laughs> You've got to cross that line. I'm telling you, once you do, you will be set free. I have found after years of pastoring 
that the believers that are the strongest believers, I have interviewed them, and this is what I found. They didn't come to Jesus just out of an emotional response. They actually thought about it. I remember interviewing this one girl, and she said she was on fire for Jesus. And I said, tell me about your walk. She said, well, you were preaching one day about actually what I'm talking about right now. And she said, I went home. I thought about it for three days and I made a decision. A friend of mine was in Russia behind the curtain before communism fell. And they would go in as a music group and they would go into these, these uh, places and these, these halls and they would, they would play their music. And at the end of it, they would preach the gospel. It was dangerous. And they gave up, they gave a call to salvation. Now a call to salvation and a communist country is different than a call to salvation in a church in North America. Because if you give your life to Christ where it's illegal, it could cost you your life. And so he saw these two college-age girls leave, and he was discouraged that they left. Then they came back about 45 minutes later when they were breaking down their instruments. And my friend Gary said, uh, I saw you two leave. Why'd you come back? And they said, we had to go out and talk about it. Whew. They said, because if we receive this Jesus you're talking about, we're going we're gonna to be kicked out of our homes. We're going to be kicked out of school. We won't be able to get a job anywhere. We don't know how we'll survive. But we've made the decision to say yes to Jesus. But I'll tell you, when I went to Russia, the year that the curtain fell, and communism was over. I went there to encourage the underground church. Oh my gosh. I felt like my Christianity was about a dime deep. These believers that had been worshiping Jesus at the risk of their own lives, I'd look into their eyes. I would look into the glow in their face. When they would talk to me about Jesus, it was like I didn't even know who they were talking about. They were so in love with him. They were fully committed. They had made a radical commitment to Jesus. And I saw what that looks like. It's total freedom. I have found that the half-stepping Christian is one of the most miserable people on earth. A half-stepping Christian is a miserable Christian. I don't know if that's you or not, but I'm calling you across the line today. Jesus is calling you across the line today. So first, the way you pick up your cross and follow him is identifying with him. Secondly, is obeying him. Obeying him. This is not your will, not their will, his will. Even Jesus had to do this, right? You remember that in the Garden of Gethsemane? He, God had called him to do something beyond anything any of us will ever be called to do. And he did it for us to go to the cross. He was so under stress trying to obey God that Blood was coming out the pores of his face for you and me. That's our savior for us. And he said, Father, there's any other way that we can accomplish this. And he said, no. And Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. And now he's the exalted king of heaven and earth. He also had to resist Peter. Peter, his peer, his human peer, said, no, you will not go to the cross. You will not be crucified. And Jesus had to resist People who loved him telling him not to obey God. And he had to resist him, his own desire to do it a different way. 
You see, your will has got to submit to God's will. And you cannot obey other people's wills that are contrary to God's. That's why Jesus said, if you love your mom or your dad or your brothers or your sister or your wife or your kids more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Because I want to be calling you at times to do things that they will not want you to do. Now, I'm not talking about sinful things, immoral things, or things, anything outside of the will of God. I'm talking about when God calls you to do something for him that seems irrational or illogical, not safe. I remember my wife, Hope, she got a full ride scholarship to LSU. And the Lord spoke to her and said, I want you to go to missionary school and be a missionary. And that's what she did. She dropped it. And she went to the Philippines. And it changed her life. But guess what? God called her back to school. Many years later, now she has her master's and she's an epidemiologist. And I mean, come on. You see, if you just... Obey God. I'll tell you who didn't like it, her dad. Her dad was a politician, and he liked the fact that his daughter had a full-ride scholarship to LSU. He was a Louisiana politician. It was going to be great for his profile. Plus, just as a dad, you're like, sweetheart, come on. I mean, go to school first and get your degree. Then go be a missionary, right? Well, yeah, that's smart, unless Jesus tells you to do something else. Rather than living for what you want or what others want, it's what God wants. When you cross that line, this is when you're going to begin experiencing the deep internal peace and joy that Jesus offers, as well as the fulfillment of God's divine purpose for your life and the divine favor and blessings of God. Jesus said, if you seek my kingdom, not yours, my kingdom first, I'll add all these things to you. That's why when my friend said to me, Christianity didn't work for me, I'm thinking, hmm, I don't think you worked it right. <laughs> Jesus isn't supposed to be following you. You're supposed to be following him. And by the way, not going to hell, that doesn't work for you? <laughs> I don't know what kind of Christianity you, you, you had going on, but it wasn't the kind Jesus is offering you. As long as you are bound to the opinions of others and the will of others, which is called the fear of man, you cannot obey God. Look at the Apostle Paul says about this. What a powerful verse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Jesus said it very plainly, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve yourself and serve Jesus. You cannot serve others and serve Jesus. You can't serve money and serve Jesus. You can't serve your own dreams and serve God's dreams. It's not your and my dreams. It's his dreams. It is so fun when you cross that line and say, not my will, God, yours be done. What are we going to do now? <laughs> I mean, come on. Peter was a fisherman. He becomes an apostle. They're still making statues of him, you know? I mean, God's dreams to your life are a lot bigger than yours, a lot better than yours. I hope you catch up to that sooner than later because you're wasting time. But you've got to break the fear of man. Look at this great scripture, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord and puts his confidence in the Lord will be exalted and saved. Death to self sounds awful. It's the opposite of what our flesh wants, and it is the opposite. But you know what? It's total freedom. 
Being free of self-focus is freedom. You see, in the garden of in the garden, Adam and I, Eve's eyes were on God. They weren't self-focused. They weren't self-aware. They were so free. But when they fell, they looked at themselves. That's when depression, low self-esteem, fear, anxiety over daily life, the opinions of others, that's why that all began. But when you decide to get your eyes off of yourself and look up at God, that's when you experience freedom. You don't even know who you are until you fully radically commit to Jesus. Peter, one day Jesus says, who do people say that I am? We read the scripture. He said it somewhere else. Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, and you're Peter. His name was Simon up to that point. Until you get your eyes on Jesus and see who he is, you don't even know who you are. He made you. That's why he's calling you to a radical commitment. He wants all of you. The question is not only how much of Jesus do we get. There's another question. How much of you does Jesus get? Again, could you imagine being half committed to your marriage? It won't work. Marriage is 100 and 100, not 50-50. It's all, all in. That's the Christian life. Until we truly find ourselves in obedience to him, submission to him, you're going to be wrestling with your self-worth and self-identity and self-significance, trying to climb back to that perfect state in the Garden of Eden, back to that glory through appearance. Am I beautiful? Am I handsome? Through accomplishment, through performance, through perfection. All goes away when you decide all that matters is Jesus. And the last point I want to make on taking up your cross. These are how Jesus defines taking up your cross. One is identifying with him. The other is obeying him. And the other one is dying for him. Like actual physical death. Now, that probably won't happen for you and I. I don't know. Others, it's happening all over the world. I was reading a book called Killing Christians. It's a profound book. You read this book and there's people that made it out and they write their stories and you just get captivated by their stories. They're so in love with Jesus. I'm talking about current today stories. It's called Killing Christians. You can get it on Amazon. And, uh, they talk about people who didn't make it out, who gave their lives for Jesus uh, in the Middle East. Their sacrifice is inspiring. It's like, if they can do it, I can do it. And when you make that decision that you would be willing to die for Jesus, the Christian walk is so much easier. I mean, think about it. Soldiers are willing to die for their country. These political terrorists are willing to die for their political beliefs. Parents are willing to die for their children. Are you willing to die for Jesus? This is how the saints of old defeated Satan. We're going to come to a close here. It says in the book of Revelations, and they have defeated him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They were not afraid to die. You see, that's how they overcame Satan. It's like, kill me. I just, you just send me home. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome, right? You see? 
I want to read this last passage. I actually got two more, but listen to this one from Jesus on this point. Pretty sobering. Matthew 10. Jesus says, Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, which they called him, the members of my household will be called even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, but they cannot kill your soul. Fear only God. Who can destroy both soul and body in hell? What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not one single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable flock of sparrows. <laughs> Isn't that good news? I am so glad that the very first verse I ever memorized in the Bible set me up for radical commitment. It has made my walk so much easier over these what, 40 years. It's Galatians 2.20. You've got to memorize this verse. It'll help you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, maybe you came to Jesus because of what he could do for you. That's okay. That's why I came. I was empty. And he filled me up with purpose. We all need forgiveness. We all need peace. We all need encouragement. We all need help. We all need security for eternity. But that's a one-way relationship. What, what have you done for me and what are you doing for me? No relationship survives like that. Your victorious life is going to begin when you make a radical commitment to the King, Jesus. And you begin to ask the question, what can I in my life? pray with me today will you make a radical commitment to Jesus are you willing to do that if not why not what are you afraid of what are you afraid of letting go of in one passage Jesus said if you try to save your life you'll lose it like Lot's wife Jesus said Lot's wife Lot and his wife were living in a city of sin like San Diego, California. It was very much the same. And God, at one point, had had enough. He brought judgment on that city. And But Abraham interceded and prayed, you and I need to pray for our city. And Abraham prayed for that city. And his nephew, Lot, got out because of Abraham's prayers. God had mercy on him. But God said, don't look back. Jesus says, don't put your hand to the plow and look back. You can't be my disciple if you're looking back and you're looking back. FOMO, fear of what I'm missing out on. No, look ahead. Be afraid of missing out on what God has for you. But as they were fleeing the city, Lot's wife turned back and says she turned into a pillar of salt. Isn't that interesting? 
What is holding you back from making a radical commitment to Jesus? The same radical radical commitment he made for you. I'm going to ask you to cross the line this morning with me. I'm going to ask you to put your hand on your heart. And I'm going to ask you to first pray this prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit. Pray this prayer to the Holy Spirit. Ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what is holding me back from making the radical commitment to Jesus that he's calling me to? Now just listen for what the Holy Spirit might bring into your mind. Okay, now open your eyes and look at me. Is it worth it? Is that thing, that person, really worth it? I don't think so. Let it go. Don't be like Lot's wife and look back. Clean to the old life. Let it go. Give it all to Jesus. Now, if you're ready, I'm going to ask you to put your hand over your head. He's listening. He's loving this. Just pray this prayer aloud. Say, Jesus, I've been half-stepping, but I'm whole-stepping now. I'm crossing the line, Jesus. I dedicate my life fully to you, Jesus. I will identify with you I will obey you, and I will even die for you, just like you did. Now, you're going to need his supernatural power, and that's why he gave you his Holy Spirit. So every day, every day, ask the Holy Spirit, fill me up with supernatural power to follow Jesus radically. All right, family love you. Thanks for listening to Preach You today. I really hope it helped you. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless.
we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We commit our lives to you, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name. What a wonderful lesson. Thank you so much, Pastor John. I hope this week you guys are encouraged to make that radical commitment to our wonderful Savior, Jesus. We'll see you next week, same time, to continue our series called Jesus.